live from the Poly Market Studio in LA. It's the Young Turks. Woo! It's up! I'm your host, Anna Kasparian, and we have one of my favorite rundowns ready for you guys today. Lots of stories, important stories, heavy stories, of course. How could we not cover and give you updates on the fallout toward the Biden administration over his handling and undying commitment and support to Israel regardless of what he does. That's gonna be at the top of the hour. Later in the show, we will be lightening things up a little bit. I'm really looking forward to talking about why beer sales have actually declined significantly. And Dylan Mulvaney isn't the only reason why that's the case. So we're gonna get to that later, likely in our bonus episode for members. We're also gonna talk about Nikki Haley disrespecting her husband <laughs> and basically, deciding to rename him because she thinks he looks like a specific type of person with a specific type of name. So we'll get to that later, likely in the bonus episode as well. And we will give you an update on how the GOP on one hand likes to complain about the migrant crisis. On the other hand, they are now very openly admitting that they don't wanna do anything about it because they don't wanna give Biden a win that might improve his approval rating. So we'll get to that in the first hour, lots to get to. At the top of the show though, I think it's important to talk about what's happening with the Biden campaign in particular, because some of those campaign staffers have just penned an open letter about how they don't agree with Biden's handling of the war in Gaza. So without further ado, let's discuss. So you started out on the Biden campaign as an idealist. Yeah. Um, what was the final straw in saying, I can't stay here anymore? Tariq Habash, a political appointee within the Department of Education, has announced his resignation. He announced on Wednesday that he will be stepping down from his position in the education department due to President Joe Biden's handling of the war in Gaza. He is in fact Palestinian American, obviously he is having moral issues with serving in an administration that seems to be completely fine with the ethnic cleansing of Palestinians in the Gaza Strip. And so he has made his decision. And we're gonna get to more of what he has to say in this interview with Joanne Reed later in the segment. But for now, I think it's important to also focus on the fallout in Biden's campaign because 17 of his current campaign staffers have penned an open letter urging him to change course. So let's get to those details. In a letter, 17 current Biden campaign staffers called directly on the president to push for a permanent ceasefire in the months long conflict. It is a war in the Gaza Strip where the intentions of the Israeli government has been made very clear. They are ethnically cleansing Palestinians. The staffers also urged the president to end unconditional military aid to Israel and advocated for a de-escalation in the region, including the release of hostages. 
I would venture to say that is a reasonable position to have. It is not one sided. It's on one hand, very understanding of Israel's need to defend itself, while also calling on a ceasefire considering the insane numbers of Palestinian civilians that have already perished, already died as a result of Israel's aerial bombardment of that region. The numbers are likely higher, but currently the official numbers that are being reported are 23,000. And I say the numbers are likely higher because because of the fact that reporting of civilian deaths has slowed down as this war has gone on. But also that number that I just gave you, the 23,000 does not include the Palestinians who are trapped under the rubble, who have been trapped under the rubble. And Palestinians are unable to save their loved ones because they don't have the fuel necessary to operate the heavy machinery that can help to dig them out of that rubble. Now, I wanna give you a few excerpts from this letter written by the campaign staffers, which of course was an anonymous letter. We know that 17 people are behind it, but they fear retaliation. So they didn't pen their names in this letter, but nonetheless, they write the following. As your staff, we believe it is both a moral and electoral imperative for you to publicly call for a secession of violence, the staffers wrote in the letter, which was anonymously signed and posted on Medium. Complicity in the death over 20,000 Palestinians of over 20,000 Palestinians, 8,200 of whom are children simply cannot be justified. Biden for president staff have seen volunteers quit in droves and people who have voted blue for decades feel uncertain about doing so for the first time ever because of this conflict. It is not enough to merely be the alternative to Donald Trump. The campaign has to shift the feeling in the pits of voters stomachs. The same feeling that weighs on us every day as we fight for your reelection. Now, Biden's handling of the war in Gaza has not sat well with the American people. Poll after poll indicates that the majority of voters, upwards of 60%, and I'll give you the exact polls in just a moment, want a ceasefire. And so think about how demoralizing it is to work as a Biden campaign staffer. You're already at a huge disadvantage. You're already working to try to get Biden, an incredibly unpopular and let's keep it real, up there in age, you know, he's 81 years old and that has been working against him. You're working hard to try to get him elected. And then on top of that, you have the added layer of public opinion in America where the majority of voters want a ceasefire in Gaza and Biden continues to send weaponry to Israel, refuses to call for a ceasefire. Remember, Biden also bypassed Congress in order to send hundreds of millions of dollars in weapons to Israel. So American voters see that and if you're a campaign staffer, you're, you feel like you're, you know, standing underneath a waterfall with a tiny bucket trying to you know, drive this situation in a better direction and it's just not happening. And so even though they are saying this openly, and of course, I'm sure the Biden campaign isn't happy about the fact that this open letter has been penned by staffers. I do think that this comes from a place of actually giving a damn about getting Biden reelected. It comes from a good place, but I somehow think that the Biden administration and the Biden campaign overall is not really going to listen to the advice that's given here. But nonetheless, they say that they fear 
that the president's stance could affect his standing with voters. And to be clear, that has already happened with young voters, black and Hispanic voters, and also with Arab American voters. And keep in mind, in swing states like Michigan, where you have a sizable population of Arab American voters, you're gonna need them to be on your side if you're gonna win that state. Biden's handling of this conflict has clearly frustrated many voters that he needs to win his reelection. According to a CBS News YouGov poll from December, 61% of Americans disapprove of his approach. And that doesn't even include the information that we learned from the New York Times Siena College poll, which finds that nearly three quarters of 18 to 29 year olds disapprove of the way Biden is handling the conflict in Gaza. And among registered voters, they say they would vote for Trump by 49% to 43%. In July, those young voters backed Biden by 10 percentage points. So things are looking pretty grim for Biden. And again, it must be incredibly demoralizing to be a Biden campaign staffer and try to turn this ship around. Now, there's been division within the Biden campaign and the administration for that matter. This isn't the first time that we're sharing a story involving people closely tied to Biden, basically calling him out and begging him to handle this war differently. For instance, in November, 500 political appointees and staff members from 40 government agencies also anonymously signed a letter calling for him to change course. Another letter included the names of over 500 alumni of Biden's 2020 presidential campaign. Then you have White House interns also writing an open letter urging President Biden to again, rethink the way he is handling this war and the way he is supporting Israel's right wing government, especially now after he has been well, not him, but Israel's been pretty vocal and open about the fact that they're trying to permanently displace Palestinians from the Gaza Strip. They're in talks with various countries to see if those countries are willing to absorb Palestinians, including the Democratic Republic of Congo, that's ethnic cleansing. And so that is an issue. And one other thing I wanna just quickly note, there are Israel supporters who are now questioning the veracity of this latest letter from the campaign staffers since they, put this letter out anonymously. There are no exact names attached to it. And I understand why they would do that. Think about how easily you get called an anti-Semite in this country. Not everyone works at TYT, okay? Other places will fire you if you criticize Israel critically, if you're critical enough and you're vocal enough in your criticism and people start calling you anti-Semite as a result, that's gonna work against you in the workplace and in the job market. And so I understand that fear, but Biden supporters and those who think that ethnic cleansing of Palestinians in the Gaza Strip is totally fine and above board. They're questioning whether this, this is hilarious, whether this letter was even written by campaign staffers. So Politico reported this and Politico literally spoke to three of the campaign staffers to verify the veracity of the letter and who's behind it. But it doesn't matter, the evidence doesn't matter. Because anyone who has a conscience and anyone who dares speak out against what Israel is doing should be condemned, should be discredited, should be ignored. It's so incredibly ridiculous and laughable.
Now, how is the Biden campaign responding to this? Well, let's let's get to that because apparently one of the Biden campaign members spoke to Politico anonymously. This is a campaign official who spoke to Politico anonymously. Are we gonna question the veracity of this person? Does this person even exist? Did Politico just make it up? I don't know. I mean, that's how stupid the argument is. But nonetheless, here's what the campaign staffer said. When it comes to President Biden's position, he has been unequivocal. Israel has the right and obligation to defend its people after the October 7th terrorist attack. I agree with that. They do have the right to defend themselves. How they defend themselves, come back to me. This is important, okay? Because it's not black and white. It's not either Israel gets to do whatever it wants and defend itself, or it just sits back and does absolutely nothing. No, those it's not it's not a binary here. It's not either or. Israel gets to defend itself. Israel can take out Hamas. I, I think that taking out Hamas in the, first of all, I don't think that they're focused on taking out Hamas right now. I think they're hyper focused on punishing all Palestinians living in the Gaza Strip. But in doing that, they are reproducing Hamas militants. We all know that. So their strategy is not only cruel, breaks international laws, you know, breaks international laws pertaining to the Geneva Convention. It's also counterproductive and allows for more extremism to fester and grow. So the idea that people who are critical of Israel's tactics do not believe that Israel has the right to defend itself, that is a lie. Israel doesn't get to do whatever it wants. You don't get to ethnically cleanse people. You don't get to break international laws. You, you, you don't get to do all this. Level an entire region, every single residential building, every single hospital. You don't get to do that. That's, that's not the same as defending yourself. And if someone is critical of that, it doesn't mean that they do not believe that Israel should defend itself. All right, let me continue with this ridiculous statement. He, meaning Biden, also knows the importance of earning the trust of every community, does he? Which is why he is working closely and proudly with leaders in the Jewish, Muslim, and Palestinian communities in America. Democrats are super embarrassing. Yeah, that was an embarrassing statement. What does that even mean? What does that even mean? Oh, He's working with Jewish people and Palestinian people here in America. Is he gonna call for a ceasefire? And is he gonna continue to send 2,000 pound bunker buster bombs to Israel with absolutely no strings attached, unconditional support. Is he gonna keep doing that? Because if he's gonna keep doing that, I gotta be honest with you all. I don't give a damn who he's having conversations with here in the United States, okay? I don't care about the surface level, shallow diversity of the Democratic Party. What I care about is you know action. I care about results. I want to see policies that are indicative of giving a damn about the humanity of all people, including Palestinians currently being wiped out in the Gaza Strip. Now let's get back to Tariq Kabash. That was the education department official who has since stepped down following the letter 
released by the campaign staffers, Tariq Kabash, who is a political appointee in the Department of Education, announced his resignation due to the president's stance on the Israel Hamas war. Now he is Palestinian American, as I mentioned earlier. I'm sure that weighed in on why he decided to step down. And here he is speaking to Joanne Reed on MSNBC to explain his reasons for why he's doing this. Unfortunately, all of that great work has been completely overshadowed because of the president's complete unwillingness to demand an immediate and permanent ceasefire. And it is creating immense danger for millions of Palestinians in Gaza, but also for Americans here at home. Yeah, and you cited in your letter some of the sort of restatements of false information that have dehumanized Palestinians. That would include President Biden, who did yeah. repeat early on, you know, some things that turned out not to check out um, mm-hmm. that accused Palestinians of or accused Hamas of, um, but also just saying he didn't believe the numbers of Palestinian dead, which the UN believes. How did that feel just as a Palestinian American to hear the president say, I don't believe it? I mean, it's heartbreaking, it hurts. It is a dehumanizing thing to hear from the president of the United States, someone who you worked so hard to campaign for and elect. And I definitely don't blame him for feeling the way that he does. The campaign staffers who put out this letter, they've made their point of view known. And I think they should step down, much like Tariq Habash decided to step down, much like former State Department official, veteran of the State Department, Josh Paul decided to step down over the transfer of weapons to Israel with no conditions. Make a real stance. If he's not gonna listen, then why are you gonna work on a campaign that urges people to vote for him? And if there's any question about what the intentions of the Israeli government happen to be, I do think it's important for you to listen to their officials. Listen to what they say out loud, certainly in the international press. They tend to tell Americans what they wanna hear because we wanna feel good about ourselves. We don't wanna feel as though we're supporting ethnic cleansing. So they'll tell us what we wanna hear, but you listen to the UK press, You listen to, let's say, Israeli ambassador to the UK and what she says when she's on the press in the UK. What what does she say? What what are the intentions of the Israeli government as it pertains to Gaza? Let's watch. And one of the things we expose to the world (coughs) after getting into um, the areas in Gaza that we try to find all those tunnels and underground metro city that Hamas has built. Thanks to this great support of Iran, Qatar, the international community, generosity, everything turned to be this horrible terror city. One of the things we realized that every school, every mosque, every second house has an access to tunnel. So this is, and, and of course, immunity. That's an argument for so, destroying the whole of Gaza, every single building in it. So do you have another solution how to destroy the underground tunnel city, that this is the place where the terrorists hide, where they have all their ammunition? She just said it out loud, that woman is vile. You should watch her interviews. She, she says a lot of things out loud that are incredibly vile, incredibly cruel. So, you know, we gotta throw, um, drop 2,000 pound bunker buster bombs on every building in Gaza. We gotta level Gaza because of the tunnels. Which by the way, have they destroyed the tunnels? Do those bombs destroy the tunnels? Has there been any evidence of that? 
They want to level Gaza, make it unlivable for Palestinians. So they have no choice but to leave the Gaza Strip, whatever remains of the Palestinians in the Gaza Strip, however many of them remain, they want to force them out. And then you have other members of the Israeli government openly salivating over building Israeli settlements in the Gaza Strip. I mean, Bazalel Smotrich made that very clear on multiple occasions. It's just so incredibly sick. So I commend those who have the courage to speak out. I totally understand why people would put this letter out there without sharing their exact names. But once the Biden campaign decides, no, no, we're gonna keep sending them the bombs so they can carry out the ethnic cleansing. We're not gonna listen to you, we don't care what you have to say. Then you gotta make a tough decision. I have no interest in voting for Biden over this, I don't care. No one's gonna shame me, no one's gonna fear monger to me about Donald Trump. I don't care, I don't support Biden, I can't. I can't look at what he is capable of supporting and see him as a good person, period. So the question is, for the people who are being ignored, the people who are close to Biden right now, what do you do next? Do you keep working for him? Do you keep trying to get him elected or do you step down? We'll see. For now, we gotta take a break. When we come back, Cenk Uger will be joining me for the rest of the show. Back on the Young Turks, Jane and Anna with you guys. A lot more news to get to. Mm. Casper, fire away. Well, let's begin with the latest report of Donald Trump's wrongdoings. I think Jane and I are going to have a little bit of a debate on this story because I'm annoyed by it. But anyway, let's get to the details. Are we? Yeah. House Democrats have released evidence showing that Donald Trump leveraged his role as President of the United States to collect millions of dollars from foreign entities. In other words, Democrats are now accusing Donald Trump of carrying out the very act that House Republicans want to impeach Joe Biden for with absolutely no evidence at all. I'm annoyed by both sides on this at this point, okay? I'm annoyed by Republicans going after Biden with an impeachment inquiry, even though there's no evidence indicating that he benefited from Hunter Biden's foreign business dealings. And I'm also annoyed by Democrats digging this crap up when we've known about this for a long time and they did nothing about it until suddenly they're putting it out in the media. So let's get to the details. So these details are laid out in a 156 page document, a report if you will, titled White House for Sale and was produced by Democrats specifically in the House Oversight Committee. That's the same committee that consists of the Republicans trying to impeach Joe Biden over nothing. Now they release this information as a counterweight to Republicans and their efforts to impeach Biden. So it's all political, let's just keep it real. Trump's businesses received at least $7.8 million from 20 foreign governments during his presidency, according to new documents released by House Democrats on Thursday that show how much he received from overseas transactions while he was in the White House, most of it from China. 
Now, the Constitution prohibits the president from accepting money, payments, or gifts of any kind from foreign governments and monarchs unless he obtains the consent and permission of Congress to do so. And obviously, he didn't do that. And I want to give you a little more context because what this is really about is when Trump was president, he would conduct official White House business in his hotels. He, he would probably insist that they took place in his hotels. So you have, you know, people from other countries, you know, foreign officials coming to the United States to meet with Donald Trump or meet with members of his administration in his properties. And as a result, his properties would benefit financially from that. Okay, so that's what they're essentially referring to here. Now, China made the largest total payment, $5.5 million to his business interests, the report found. Those payments included millions of dollars from China's embassy in the United States, the Industrial and Commercial Bank of China, and the Hainan Airlines Holding Company. But that wasn't the only country involved. You also have Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia was the second largest spender, shelling out more than $615,000 at the Trump World Tower and Trump International Hotel. And at a campaign rally in 2015, Trump told on himself a little bit. He suggested that his personal financial incentives might influence his dealings with another government. He said, quote, Saudi Arabia. And I get along great with all of them, the report quotes him saying, they buy apartments for me, they spend $40 million, $50 million. Am I supposed to dislike them? I like them very much. So, yeah, I mean, why is this news now? That's what I want to know. This was news literally years ago. Literally years ago, the New York Times, which is reporting this latest story, had done their own investigation to find how much money was spent by foreign governments in his properties as he was conducting official White House business. Yeah, well, I can answer that question, and I, but I'm actually mixed on this story, as I, it sounds like you are. So first of all, the reason it's coming up now is because the Republicans are doing a nonsense hearings on Joe Biden. They have no evidence that he had any business that took any advantage of his positions. So Jamie Raskin put together this report saying, yeah, okay, you want to look at presidents and how they took advantage of you know, their office to make money from foreigners? Well, here's $7.8 million that Donald Trump made. That's the fairest thing in the world. I thought they should have done it immediately. And if I was the Democrats, I would have done this and 10 times more. And I would have done it at the minute that the hearings began. I would have fired back 100 times about how Trump made money off of this and that. Okay, now, so that's why it's happening. There's a lot of truth to that, but our job is to be objective analysts here. So now let me give you the other side of the coin. So a lot of the money came from a Chinese bank that signed a deal with Trump Towers back in 2008, well before the Donald Trump ever ran for office. So that is a hugely mitigating factor. What were they supposed to do, cancel their lease agreement with Trump once he became president? Maybe, right? And so I'll get to what Trump should have done in a second because there is a there there. Um, and then $650,000 from Saudi Arabia is the least amount of money Saudi Arabia has ever spent on anything. They sent, spent more on bubble gum yesterday. Okay, <laughs> totally. now having said that, it's pretty tough to rack up to $615,000 worth of bills in a, in, just by going to a hotel. But if anybody could do it, the Saudis could. So, but now, why is Trump wrong? Well, there's a very clear uh, 
clause in the Constitution, although apparently nobody ever reads the Constitution, where it says if you get money from a foreign government or any kind of gift, and and by the way, the Republicans also say, hey, look, there was goods exchanged here. Unlike Biden, they claim he's just there profiting off the name, although they have no evidence of that for Joe Biden at all. For Donald Trump, they say, well, this thing. Paid for a hotel, they got a hotel room. They paid for rent, they got rent. But guys, you know how you could shuffle a lot of money through there, through rent, etc. In fact, Donald Trump did that most with his own contributors. The minute that he started getting donations into his political campaign and he didn't have to pay for his own bills all the way back in 2015, 2016, he started massively increasing the rent that he was charging his campaign so that the campaign donations from the average American, average MAGA guy would go directly into his pocket. So he's he's not short on scams, right? So do we follow the Constitution or don't we? The problem with Donald Trump is that he violates so many laws and so many provisions of the Constitution, they just can't keep up. It's a flood. Mm -hmm. If any other president had made nearly $8 million from foreign governments into their properties, no matter how legitimately they did it, it would be a firestorm. But this is, you know, number. 187 on his list of transgressions, so it feels minor in comparison to his much larger crime. It feels minor when you put it in the context of everything else that he's done. But it's also something that feels minor in the context of our current disgustingly corrupt government. When you literally have members of Congress engaging in insider trading with impunity, something that we would go to prison for, it really does, like it almost forces a black pill down your throat, okay? When you have a sitting member of the Senate who makes decision about decisions about energy related policy, heavily personally invested in his own private business pertaining to coal, a business that he makes half a million dollars off of every year. And yes, I'm talking about Senator Joe Manchin. It's just hard for me to take anything Democrats have to say seriously. Yeah, I know, but look, just Jim. They're all corrupt, Jenk. I, Anna, I agree with you, but so they- they're all, looking, they're all looking to like find a nut, bury their nut and move on with their lives. I hear you on that. Nevertheless, we have to call things out as they are, right? And so uh, there's campaign contributions, which are massive uh, cancer in our uh, body politic. Uh, both Democrats and Republicans are deeply corrupt because of that. Never talked about in mainstream media. You've heard us cover that thousands of times. It applies to both parties. Republicans a smidge more, but Democrats massively guilty of it as well. But one of our members, and come do the show with us, tyt.com slash join. We read your comments oftentimes in the middle of stories to just Jim wrote in about, hey, wait a minute guys, don't be hypocritical because you ask the Democrats to fight back all the time. Here they are fighting back. And I have to say, I totally agree with just Jim. Because so this is what what did we want him, what wanted them to do or wanted Jamie Raskin to do? Well, I would have said this. I mean, this is a good way of fighting back. And and to Anna, in this particular case, if the Republicans were not making a big deal out of absolutely nothing regarding Joe Biden, if they weren't lying as they always do, they lie 99 out of 100 times and pretending that Joe Biden had something to do with Hunter Biden's deals, right? 
then I would say, okay, yeah, this is Trump's 187th crime. It's relatively minor compared to his other 186 crimes. We, you know, we don't have to make a federal case out of it, literally, even though it's in clear, brazen violation of the Constitution. And by the way, let me just say that real quick. Let me explain that. According to the Constitution, if you take any kind of gift, you have to ask Congress whether you're allowed to. Yep, I explain any, that. Any payment at all. So Lincoln had to give back like an elephant tusk that he received as a gift because Congress wouldn't approve it. So Trump brazenly says, Constitution, I don't care at all. I'm not gonna report it, I'm just gonna take the money. Hey, look, Anna, if I was Raskin or the other Democrats, I would have done this earlier. I would have done it more viciously. I would have done it even you know, 10 times harder and said, that every time you mention your nonsense about Joe Biden, I'm gonna bash you over the head with what a crook Donald Trump is. And by the way, these are all peanuts compared to the $2 billion the Saudis gave Jared Kushner right after the election was over, that's his son-in-law. So it's a thousand, literally a thousand times worse than anything Hunter Biden's ever done. So if the Republicans said, yes, we agree, you guys are right. Trump and his family are dirty, dirty crooks who try to steal money at every turn and put it in their pockets. Then I say, okay, fair enough, then we can move on. But have they ever said that? No, they're goddamn liars pretending Trump's a saint and that Joe Biden did this crooked thing. How many shows do you see that take on Joe Biden more than we do? But we're honest and we tell you, no, he didn't do this thing. So I'm tired of the Republican lies and overall, I'm super glad that Raskin's fighting back. Yeah, I'm tired of the lies and the corruption on both sides of the aisle. And when you say, you know, the, oh, we should, we should give Democrats a round of applause, they're finally fighting back. You wanna know what they want done with this report? What their end goal is with this report? Get a load of this. They want, they're urging Congress to consider adopting new disclosure rules to help the legislative branch obtain information for proper oversight. That's what they want changed. Um, who put this report together again, Jank? Who put this report together? It was members of Congress, right? Mm -hmm. So Congress is writing a letter to itself to declare that Congress needs to pass new laws pertaining to disclosure. No, no, there's a good reason for that. So in this particular case, Trump's accounting firm was blocking all investigations into his financing. After they were also charged with illegality because of the nonstop fraud that Donald Trump did and, and the fact that they might have been implicated. They then finally started working with Congress near the, uh, the end of the last term, mm -hmm. right? And when the Republicans came in, they said, don't cooperate with Congress. Whatever you do, do not tell us what the fraud that Donald Trump has done. We don't wanna know. We wanna investigate a fraud that didn't happen with Joe Biden. And we wanna make sure you stop investigating the fraud that did happen with Donald Trump. So that's why they're asking for, hey, can we actually go back to investigating in a fair and honest way? And with Republicans, the answer is always no. They hate being honest or fair. Okay, Mazars released those financial documents in 2022. It has taken the Democrats this long to put their report out because it's not politically motivated at no, all. No, I know, but remember, like I said, they stopped sharing because right. as soon as the Republicans came in, Comer and the others told them, don't you dare help us show any of the crimes that Donald Trump and did. And they listened? Yeah, Mazars stopped cooperating because Congress officially stopped asking them for the for the accounting. Okay, all right, well, it, it, there it is. You guys know about another bad thing that Trump did. 
So I don't know what's gonna end up happening with this. But what did stand out to me, and I thought it was interesting, was Eric Trump's need to get a little defensive about this report. And so during a recent interview about the report, he tried to defend his family and the fact that you know there is evidence that Trump properties took money from foreign governments. Let's take a look. If somebody came into one of our hotels when my father was president, they were from a foreign country, a government official from a foreign country, and we found out about it, you know what we do? We donate all the money for that, you know, that margarita that they bought at the bar, donate it back to the United States Treasury. I don't know if there's any evidence of that, and I'm gonna speculate and say it's not true. So that was an interview from August of 2023. He said something very similar again today to the New York Times. Let's go to graphic six. The narrative is insane, Eric Trump said of the Democrats report. He added that there is no president in the United States history who was tougher on China than Donald Trump, citing the substantial tariffs the former president imposed on the country's goods and services. That is true. He also said the Trump organization did not have the ability or viability to stop someone from booking through third parties at the hotel. Let's go to graphic five now. Eric Trump also noted in an email that the Chinese bank mentioned in the report had signed a 20-year lease at Trump Tower in 2008, which is what Jenk had alluded to earlier. And he argued it was clear that the former president had not allowed his personal business incentives to drive his official actions. And he did note to the New York Times, he repeated the claim that he made on, you know, I think that was on right-wing media about how they would donate the money to the Treasury Department. I don't even know. I think that that's not true. I'm not sure, I'm gonna be clear about that. But if it's proven to be false and a complete lie, why why the need to say that? Like it's just. No, they, look, if it's true, it is actually a little bit of a, you know, an excuse for the Trump people, but they still should follow the law and they should follow the constitution and they definitely didn't. But the reason I didn't state it in, in my list of things that mitigate this story, was because Eric Trump said it. Eric Trump yeah. and every member of the Trump family has a record of lying approximately 95% of the time that they say anything at all. If they tell you they want something for lunch, they're probably lying and they want something else. So I would, I'm only gonna believe it if it could ever be proven, which there's never been any proof. I've never heard of that before in my whole life. No Republican has ever said, "Oh, they're taking the money from the hotels and donating it to charity. So there's the first time we're ever hearing about it, even though Donald Trump has been this wonderfully charitable guy the whole time. Yeah, please. Donald Trump wouldn't pay his own taxes. It's like the idea that he's gonna take some of the profits from his properties and then funnel it over to the Treasury Department just to make sure that everything he's doing is above board. He's not violating any rules or constitutional or anything in the Constitution. It, to me, is laughable. But again, just want to repeat, we haven't been able to verify that as a lie, so or yeah. as something that's truthful. We I think the New York asterisk. Times maybe should have looked into it. They have the resources to do that. Yeah, we have to put an asterisk every time with Trump people. We rebuttable presumption is that they're lying, but it could be disproved. <laughs> All right, last word goes to one of our members, another member, Nautilus Maximus wrote in, maybe the Dems need to seize Jared Kushner's laptop and mention it a billion times. I couldn't agree more, I'd seize it instantly. And I'd say, you got $2 billion right after you were in charge of foreign policy towards Saudi Arabia? The minute you get out of office, you get $2 billion. I want your laptop, I want your desktop, I want a warrant for your house, I want $2 billion. We're talking about the Hunter Biden's laptop and his artwork and his Mickey Mouse scams that he ran. I mean, be a professional scammer like Jared Kushner. Great point by our members, tyt.com slash join or hit the join button below and be part of the show.
All right, when we come back, we'll talk about the migrant crisis and how the GOP likes to whine about it. But when push comes to shove, they don't wanna do a damn thing. We'll be right back. Back on TYT, Jenk, Anna, Alicia Cook, Beth Hybers, Angry Bruce Magoose, which is hilarious. Oh, I love that name. Yeah. <laughs> Peanut8377, I don't know, it's because you were trying to find a nut. And then, <laughs> and then another Peanut showed up in our member section. O Beach Babe 210 gifted 10 memberships, biggest American hero in a long time. Jarrett Williams gifted a membership, which we deeply appreciate, and so did one other person, but I've lost it here. You guys are awesome, thank you for doing it. Bonus, I'm sorry, you can get the bonus episodes if you join through the join button or tyt.com slash join. And the last person who gifted memberships is BH, who also gifted 10. You guys are amazing and we love you for it, Anna. All right, well, I wanted to do an update on the ongoing migrant crisis and how honestly Republicans are standing in the way of passing any legislation that would help the problem. So let's discuss. House Republicans who on one hand love to pretend as though they're concerned about the migrant crisis, plan to reject a compromise with the Senate on border policy. Now, in fact, one Republican made clear that they do not wanna give President Biden a win that can improve his approval numbers in an election year, and we'll get to him in a moment. But first, let's get to the meat of the matter, the heart of the story. House Republicans say that they would only accept a border deal that resembles the hardline immigration bill that passed their chamber last year. They passed it in July, it's known as HR2. Now, Senate Democrats and the White House strongly oppose this plan. In fact, they call it a non-starter. Now, why? HR2, known officially as the Secure the Border Act of 2023, would entail a broader rewrite of the country's immigration laws, including curtailing the ability of migrants to seek asylum in the United States and forcing the continued construction of a wall on the border. Now, HR2 received zero Democratic votes in the House, but it did pass the House considering that Republicans control that chamber. Democrats called the legislation cruel and anti-immigrant and Biden promised to veto it. So it was dead on arrival. If the President says he's gonna veto it, even if you get Democrats in Congress on board, it's gonna make its way to President Biden and he's gonna veto it. You have to work with your colleagues across the aisle on this issue. And at this point, you have the migrant crisis impacting major democratic cities. So there is interest in finally passing immigration reform. But if you have two sides that are unwilling to compromise, then we're gonna keep falling in this disastrous situation in which no solutions are come, they come up with no solutions and the problem continues to be a problem. Now, House Speaker Mike Johnson made it very clear during a recent interview with Jake Tapper that it's either his way or the highway. Either Senate Democrats and the President agree to HR2 or else nothing's gonna happen. Let's watch. We're at the border today and I presume you're seeing a very dire situation, hardworking border agents, you know, who, who can't do their jobs with what they have. They need more money, they need more colleagues, they need more beds for asylum seekers, they need more funding. Um, 
how come the House has not yet touched this $14 billion supplemental request from the Biden administration? The White House is hammering you on it. Why not take it up and, and, and help these individuals? This is a catastrophe down here. And what the White House is proposing is more money to process and allow more illegals into the country. We need to do the opposite of that. And this is, you don't need to take my word for it. Listen to the deputy chief of the US Border Patrol who was with us last night and he told us in his own words, he said, it's as if I'm at an open fire hydrant. I don't need more buckets to, to dump the water. He said, I need to turn the flow off. Some people are saying, why not pass the $14 billion supplemental bill that, that President Biden has put before you to at least try to help with some of these that, issues. That won't solve, that no, won't solve any of the problems no. I just articulated. Right, no. So the supplemental request from Biden, as you heard in that video, would provide $14 billion toward the nation's southern border. It would allow for the hiring of more officials in order to hear and process the asylum claims and make a decision about whether individuals who are claiming asylum can either stay or they have to go. It would also provide more personnel at the border because at the moment, border could Border Patrol doesn't have the manpower to deal with the massive influx of migrants who are coming to the border. And so they talk about how that's a security concern on one hand, but then when they have an opportunity to do something about it by passing the $14 billion that's been requested by Biden, they say, no, it's not going to single handedly reform our broken immigration system. So we do not agree to that. And I, I really do think that that is the wrong way to go. You can pass the supplemental funding for the border while also working on immigration reform. And you're gonna have to work with your colleagues across the aisle. You're gonna have to work with Democrats and vice versa. It's just that we have a broken government and both sides seem to wanna obstruct any legislation that can improve the situation. And finally, I wanna to go to Representative Troy Nels from Texas because he just said the quiet parts out loud. And I think it's so toxic. He says, quote, let me tell you, I'm not willing to do too damn much right now to help a Democrat and to help Joe Biden's approval rating. I will not help the Democrats try to improve this man's dismal approval ratings. I'm not going to do it, why would I? Chuck Schumer has had HR2 on his desk since July and he did nothing with it, Cenk. Yeah, so um, first of fun stuff, our stage manager Edwin made a good point. He's like, it's a catastrophe down here. And you see behind him like this beautiful park, <laughs> like catastrophes that you're not having a picnic there. Okay, in this now leads to a halfway serious point, which is I hate the talking point of he hasn't been at the border. Like what is guys, Oh, the 60 of us went to the border and looked down. We couldn't even see a line. There's no border. No, no, There's no. no border. Can I can I tell you something though? In that same interview, Mike Johnson was like, you know, me and a bunch of other Republicans were here at the border, and Jake Tapper jumps in and says, well, Biden visited the border too. He did it last year. He's like, oh, well, we've been here for several days. Yeah. Congratulations. Can you please work on legislation? Yeah, actually, get back to Washington and actually pass bills. That would be actually relevant to stopping the flow of Bill, undocumented immigrants. Look, yeah. bills that have the chance to pass, by the way. Yeah. Not bills that are meant to virtue signal to the far right in your constituency. Like, yeah. like let's just keep it real. So, last thing on that portion of it is, so Biden was supposed to stay there a couple of days, staring at some dirt. Like, how does that help? How does that help? It's nothing but a photo op. I hate that the media plays along with it. Oh, have you stared at the border? 
Have you stared across the border? And by the way, sometimes Democrats do it too. I hate it. It doesn't make any difference at all. All right, now on to other things. And here we get a mixed bag here. So number one, I listened to the whole interview with Mike Johnson. And now having listened to him a bunch of times, I'm gonna give him, I'm gonna be damning with faint praise. But he doesn't sound like an idiot, which for a Republican is, I know it's a super low bar for any other person, but for a Republican politician, that's a tough bar to cross. But he does cross it. He sounds, whether he's saying something reasonable or not, he sounds reasonable. So I'm giving him that. Now, in terms of substance, he has a good talking point too, and it's real. Which is that since Biden has come into office, seven million undocumented immigrants have come into the country. Now, the Democrats can counter with however many millions crossed the border when Trump was in office. Not like it was went from zero to seven million, but it is substantially higher. So we've checked it here. There's no question that it's substantially higher. So we're giving you all the details and all the actual facts without any bias. Okay. Now, in terms of what they should do about it legislatively, the thing that matters the most that Anna has been talking about. So number one, HR2 is draconian, completely right wing. Democrats say it's a no deal, not even a conversation about it. So, but the thing that they're trying to pass on the Senate is actually not that far off from it. It's and, not. And according to reports about the negotiations, Biden is basically offering up almost identical to the Trump policies, which would be a Massive concession. And that would basically be a surrender. Guys, okay? yes, thank you for mentioning that. I was going to get to that, but it's so important for you guys to understand this, right? Because even with the Senate under the direction of Biden is willing to concede to a bunch of the provisions that the Republicans want in the House, Republicans are still unwilling, unwilling to vote in favor of that legislation. So, my point in bringing that up and emphasizing it is that. They don't actually want to solve the issue. It is a campaigning tool for them. They love to whine about it. They love to visit the border and puff up their chest and virtue signal. This is the right wing version of virtue signaling. But in terms of actually finding solutions for the issue, they have no interest at all. Even if Democrats are willing to not only meet them halfway, go even further than that. Yeah, so second layer of that problem is that they actually, not only not don't want to pass any bills, they want to make things worse so that Biden loses the reelection effort. So now the congressman that Anna quoted, Troy Nels there, he just flat out says it. Mm-hmm. He said it out loud on CNN in public. So there's no ambiguity about it at all. They, they say we do not want to fix the problem because we would like to blame Biden so that he loses. So they're saying publicly politics is more important to us than all the problems we claim we're concerned about at the border. Mm-hmm. Like Mike Johnson talked a lot about oh, fentanyl's coming in. Now fentanyl is a giant problem in America. Is it just because of immigration? No, this that's a supply and demand issue. It's much more complicated. But if you were super worried about the fentanyl crossing the border, what you would purposely not provide a solution so that you could benefit politically personally, but I have all those people die from fentanyl overdoses anyway. No, they're, 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 they're weirdly brazen because they think that the Democrats are so incompetent, they won't ever be able to fight back. If I was the Democrats, I'd take that comment by the congressman, I'd put it in ads and I'd say, look at this. They're admitting they wanna play politics, they don't wanna solve the border problem. At all. So the reason I brought up Biden's concessions earlier is because Biden's pretty much saying, as usual, I surrender. 
I surrender, I'll take all of Trump's policies. And part of the reason he's doing that is not just because of the border. The moron thinks that, hey, if I give the Republicans everything they want, they'll stop criticizing me over the border. I can't stand how incorrect that strategy is. It's mind boggling that Democrats in Washington are still that stupid on the politics of it. So last thing though, is that Biden offers them all of this stuff, why? Part of it is because he wants to surrender. The other part is he's dying to get Israel and Ukraine more aid. And it's the Republicans are putting it together. And is it aid to help flowers grow in Ukraine and Israel? No, it's money for defense contractors so that more Israel can kill more Palestinians and Ukraine can stay in a stalemate. Mm -hmm. So it's mainly the donors that are driving this and so, but even as Biden gives them everything, the Republicans now say not only will they not take this deal, but they're now going to start to shut the government down. So that what? Biden can be blamed for the government shutdown. Yeah, and you're right in that the the Democrats are ineffective in fighting back. and. Biden's approval rating is certainly suffering from it. For instance, on immigration and border issues, he has not polled well with the American people. 38% approval from the people who were questioned as part of a Harvard Caps Harris poll last month. Only 38% approve of his handling of immigration. And I would venture to say that the number is gonna continue sliding if he doesn't find a way to fight back against the purposeful obstruction by House Republicans who really are using this issue for their campaigning, but don't really care about it at all at the end of the day. I mean, yeah. their actions make that obvious to me. And last thing is, you know, Mike Johnson talked about turning the flow off. The Republicans have no plans to turn the flow off. Their only plans are let's be more brutal to immigrants. And maybe in their mind that's turning the flow off, right? Um, so, but it's incumbent upon the president to come up with a plan. So, so far Biden's plan is why don't I just surrender to the Republicans and do everything Trump used to do? Mm -hmm. How is that your plan? So I have a plan for example to, and I've talked about this for years, do a Marshall plan for Latin America. Okay, you might agree or disagree with that plan, but it's at least a plan to do something proactive to actually shut the flow of immigrants off at its root by improving the economy of those countries, right? Which then ironically improves our economy. Biden's proposal so far, zero. And Trump and the Republicans say, doesn't matter what he proposes, we'll never take it anyway, because all we want to do is hurt him. All right, we gotta take a break. When we come back for the second hour of the show, we'll talk about a judge in Nevada getting violently attacked by the defendant as she was attempting to sentence him. And later in the show, we'll talk about how Nikki Haley publicly disrespects her husband. And I guess we're all okay with that. <laughs> with that and more coming up, don't miss it. <laughs> 